as a teenager, I hadn't quite put my finger on what exactly it was that I wanted to do. Uh, and, and frankly, what I'd actually be any good at. And so, you know, I would certainly have benefited from some kind of support. Um, I mean, as an adult now in my 20s, I've got, you know, a, a great mentor, but it seems a bit of a shame that the prospect of mentorships doesn't usually arise until someone is in, you know, a fully fledged career, by which point they will have to an extent made their mind up and developed the skills to progress. So, you know, I guess my question to you is, as someone who works at the forefront of securing mentorships for younger girls and, and many teenagers through strong female role models, uh, do you have any observations that you've made in terms of what teenage girls are looking for in a mentor? And secondly, you know, are there any particular aspects which you consider the traditional education system parents or friends can't really provide? Yeah. Um so the biggest thing that came out during my time um, in running our first program over the past few months was the importance of relatability. Hello everyone. Welcome to a brand new season of Brown Don't Frown a podcast which was inspired by my own personal story and journey with womanhood and feminism. It's a podcast where we celebrate new perspectives and unconventional thinking. Brown Don't Frown seeks to build a more inclusive discourse which breaks down the prejudice and assumptions about different passions, opinions and cultures and shines a light on the stories of underrepresented women who do not fit the typical criteria or ideals of mainstream feminism. I am your host, Tanya Hardcastle. Stay tuned for what we hope to be an informative, engaging and thought-provoking season three. We have some incredible guests lined up, including other podcasters, change makers in the fields of climate change, artificial intelligence, technology, environmental campaigns, South Asian mental health awareness and bereavement as well as personal stories in the wake of Black Lives Matter. If you have thoughts or comments or would like to get in touch and contribute to the podcast in any way, please do feel free to get in touch at browndontfrownpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and stay safe. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Brown Don't Frown. Today, I'm in conversation with Indy Sira of Voices of Colour, and we talk about the importance of mentorship, networks, and representation. Indy, I'm so happy you can join us tonight. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. Amazing. So Voices of Colour, uh, I've heard so much about it, uh, and from my understanding, it's a community action and leadership development program for South Asian girls. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself first and then maybe talk a bit more about your work with Voices of Colour and, and any other interests? So I come from a traditional Punjabi family. I grew up in West London in an extended family um, with my grandparents and my cousins. And I was surrounded and still am surrounded by a huge amount of um, my own community and still live in an extended family. And growing up in Southall, growing up amongst different communities, I grew up wanting to give back something to them and 
learned how important it was to support them. Mm. So I ended up studying politics at university. Okay. Um, and that wasn't my route. I wanted to do graphic design. Oh, but, right. Yeah, but I ended up, I ended up taking politics as um, an A-level at um, whilst in sixth form. And I just realized how much I really started enjoying learning about it and how important it was. Mm. And ever since then, I've just felt the need to do something in terms of helping the community some sort of way but also understanding the importance of it mm. and realizing that your local community is so important to the fabric of society today yeah. and how people interact and communicate but also down to their well-being so i've just been involved i guess over the past few years in community work and um, trying to run a few programs for different people within society and I guess it's brought me to here where I am today yes of course the voices of color and yeah you're absolutely right I do um, very strongly believe that you know the community that you're raised in and you're surrounded by really does shape who you are as a person and yeah you're absolutely right that we should you know seek to engage our communities and work with them to uh, to build a strong and impactful network um and i guess that's where voices of color sort of comes about and yeah it'd be awesome to know a bit more about the organization and, and how you got involved in it yeah so i actually joined a social innovation course last year so i left my charity job um and i wanted to immerse myself in understanding specific issues within the community so i worked in um, Maidenhead with um, a social enterprise who predominantly works with individuals with disabilities and getting them into employment mm. and then I was placed in a housing association for a few months as a social innovation consultant oh, wow. and during that I guess during that time and that experience I really really took the time to understand the current issues that are present within our communities, um, but also took the experience I got from the charity sector I worked within and also the social enterprise sector I worked in before. Mm. So with all those experiences together, um, Voices of Colour came into play, where I started realising that there was not much of a safe space um, for young South Asian women, um, a space really that understood the struggles they go through mm. while growing up. And I held various focus groups, one-to-one -one, um, interviews, but also had some chats with them. And I understood that something was missing. Mm. And uh, from my experience of being in the sector, I realized that there wasn't anything that really embraced the culture or the understanding of what they're going through mm. on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so... Hence, uh, Voice of Colour was born and specifically the community action element of it where it very much focuses on trying to understand um, and help the young women understand the current issues that are present within their local community, but how they impact them um, and how they can kind of have an impact. How they can make a difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah how they can make a difference within their communities where they're also shaping themselves as in a sense, the next generation of change makers and leaders in their own mm. right, yeah. in whatever they decide to do. 
Um, and so we have three phases where they discover the issue, they design it together as a team with lots of individuals from the community and organizations, and then they implement that um, within uh, the areas that they're based. So right now I'm working in Slough and also in Ealing. So mm. two, um, two different boroughs and two different areas, which is super interesting to see how they are different but similar so you're so you're working with the um young south asian girls in both of those areas and and seeing how they differ and looking at them in in different ways yeah um and also understanding how local organizations and partnerships um are working together in those areas so just a bit more about the program that voices of color offers i understand that it's twofold uh firstly to foster the development of a community action development program and then secondly to facilitate the wider empowerment of young girls and women through providing them with role models through a mentorship program so are they both uh meant to be combined or are they separate to each other these two programs um so they're meant to be combined okay um, with the community action program we aim to pair up um the young girls with um, the south asian women from a varied number of sectors so whilst they're building that they're also getting one-to-one support on developing themselves mm. in um maybe in different skill sets but also getting an insight into a career that they might be interested in pursuing um in the long term or just wanting to find out more about that's awesome um and in terms of the mentorship aspect of the program you know for me um having experienced it mentorship uh, being a mentee later on in my life you know it's to me, from what I've seen, it's about helping us to grow as individuals, both personally and in professional capacity. Um, and, I, and I think it does definitely work both ways, both as a mentor and a mentee. You know, you get what you put into it. And looking back, I guess, at my own career tra- trajectory and path as a teenager, while I knew that I wanted to work in some sort of professional capacity, you know, I hadn't quite, as a teenager, I hadn't quite put my finger on what exactly it was that I wanted to do. And, and frankly, what I'd actually be any good at. And so, you know, I would certainly have benefited from some kind of support. Um, I mean, as an adult now in my 20s, I've got, you know, a, a great mentor, but it seems a bit of a shame that the prospect of mentorships doesn't usually arise until someone is in, you know, a fully fledged career, by which point they will have to an extent made their mind up and develop the skills to progress. So, you know, I guess my question to you is, as someone who works at the forefront of securing mentorships for younger girls and and many teenagers through strong female role models, uh, do you have any observations that you've made in terms of what teenage girls are looking for in a mentor? And secondly, you know, are there any particular aspects which you consider the traditional education system parents or friends can't really provide? Yeah. Um so the biggest thing that came out during my time um, in running our first program over the past few months was the importance of relatability and yeah. understanding. And when you have um, someone who's supporting you understands, I guess, also the culture you come from and the struggles that are attached to it, you kind of overcome quite a few barriers in trying to help them understand that. 
Yeah. So that has been so important um, to them. And I think they've already um, highlighted how it was easy just to have that conversation mm. and uh, feel heard, but also understood at the same time. Of course. So that has been really, really important. Um, but in general, I think that trust, which takes time to build, um, is important as as they kind of develop that relationship with a mentor. Um, and we've tried our best to pair up um, mentors and mentees together who might um, ha- have similar in- interests in terms of career-wise, but also um, what type of support they're looking to give out as well. Mm. So it's just important that we try our best um, to uh, make the right, I guess, pairing. But also one thing that's important to consider is sometimes we think we know what we want. Mm. Yes. We don't know. We haven't really explored other options or don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think we've also been mindful that, yes, some might want, might not be sure, but might be thinking that they want to go into a certain career or learn about a certain area, but why not expose them to something else? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something I would have definitely appreciated because when you're a teenager, you don't know what's out there. You know, there are only certain linear paths that we are constantly told about uh, when we're young children. You know, what what does success look like? And you've got to be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, X, Y, or Z. And there's no sort of mapping of other alternative career paths, which can be equally as valuable um and uh, rewarding if it's something that you're interested with and um it's really interesting that you mention you know the two aspects of of a good mentorship uh, trust and relatability you know yeah absolutely you've got to be able to relate to your mentor and vice versa Uh, and i think that's where the best types of mentorships um come from you know having that element of relatability whether it's a cultural aspect or you know a particular community that you grew up in or a particular location that's i guess a way to sort of ice break and and bond you know a bit of an an icebreaker to sort of crack the nut and get to know someone um and secondly yeah trust you know if you if you're telling or confiding in someone about a particular aspect of your career or your personal life you'd expect to be able to trust that person with that information and yeah I think they they go hand in hand um in my experience and if you can relate to someone you're probably more likely to trust them um what are your thoughts on that yeah I completely agree I think with I with your second question um I was just thinking about that right now but yeah with the family and the friends I think sometimes we don't appreciate and I don't think I have really reflected on this until now mm. is, is the fact that actually we're not only we don't have challenges externally in terms of perceptions of who we are um, and, and in terms of representation but also it's internally for some not for all but they're still going through still um, facing some cultural perceptions that still exist mm. and it's it's those expectations that they're still fighting yeah um, you know one unfortunately when they come being being a woman being female and um then on top of that um what are you expected to do in terms of that role within society but when you grow up um so in terms of role models it can be really difficult mm. to reach out 
um, and have that space uh, to feel safe to to want to talk about issues um, confidently to to those who are near to you just because one lack of understanding mm. um, and um, understanding but also there being still a generational gap yes. in terms of what things are happening right now and the biggest thing that's come out of the work that I've been doing with them is around mental health mm. specifically within during COVID yes I'm not surprised yeah so it's it's difficult for them and it's hard yeah Yeah. I think with each generation or every year the the pressure mounts I think when you look at people who are taking young kids who are taking A levels or GCSEs they're under so much immense pressure compared to I mean obviously if you're doing exams you're going to be under pressure but I feel like it's it's a completely different kettle of fish compared to when I was doing my A levels I don't know what's changed but I feel as though perhaps social media has a role to play in terms of defining what sex success looks like. Uh, and then, you know, young kids look at that and think, Oh, I want to be this particular type of person. And they sort of mold and model themselves around that. And the pressure can really, really mount with things like that, especially with aesthetics as well, you know, have, having to look a certain way on top of being, you know, of a particular kind um, of background or having a particular kind of education or intellectual prowess and things like that, I think can certainly play a role. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that's come come out with your findings in terms of mental health because the pressure really does <laughs> does add on for teenagers. Um, probably yeah. one of the most stressful periods of my life doing my levels. I, I definitely have to have to say that. And you know, again, as, as is often the case with these sorts of things, the power of networking is another thing, and it's realised in practice uh, as we get older and the further that we develop in our careers you know, if, if there was one piece of advice or career advice I'd give my younger self, it would be to network more. I do understand that Voices of Colour hopes to develop a growing community of young mentees and mentors and, and build a strong network to enable young people to be change makers in their, in their chosen fields and realise their passions from a young age. Um, do you have any tips or pieces of advice for younger girls who are, say, looking to pursue a career in a specialist field or would like to turn their passion, creativity or hobby into some sort of long time side hustle? Um, I know you mentioned um, the fact that, you know, not people don't always know what they want until they're older or they might think they want something and then they sort of change their minds when they get older. Um, so perhaps in light of that, there's, there's some uh, tips you could offer. Yeah, I think so with networking, it is a really daunting, it can be a really daunting experience for quite a lot of Mm. people, even young people, particularly, but also when when you grow up, I'm sure you get anxious sometimes. Yes, Um, of course. Yeah. And you don't know what to expect. So I think with networking, I think it's that we, I, I feel like we still have that very, typical stereotypical image of what networking is mm. and people and I in think suits that, and yeah being stiff and uh, awkward <laughs> shaking hands yeah. making small talk yeah that's right and so I feel like that's firstly needs to be broken down mm. for them and to make them feel comfortable and maybe changing the perception because networking what is networking what is it yeah the the definition has changed especially you know in the advent of covid i think a lot of the time you can you can network remotely you know whether it's video calls or even phone conversations and messaging linkedin as well as is a huge resource now for, for networking yeah so i think hopefully 
during that program they firstly build a confidence within themselves mm. some of them some of them um uh, lack that i guess self-belief in themselves um when they join a team as well so the focus is to help them build that and then i mean sometimes they're not they're not aware of it but they are networking when they are introduced to different organizations and they're working on these projects mm. they're building network they're building um that understanding within the community mm. so sometimes they might not be aware of it but they're doing it um unconsciously whilst they're working on the project mm. but networking is i don't think it's accessible to everyone yeah i was going to say yeah do, do south asian women young girls do they do they find it accessible and you know what are the barriers yeah i i, I think accessibility is a huge issue mm. and it's going to become even bigger i would say due to covid due to what's happening currently at the moment um so i think it's for us to build that space but also introduce them to organizations uh, and get them that experience that mm. they would otherwise have um and hopefully we can do that before they start understanding what job they want to apply for so they've started building that um from the get-go through the work that they do so i think what's really important to us is that we co-design yeah. what that would look like with the young people and hopefully we've tried our best to do that with the program that we've created it's pretty much been co-designed with a group of young south asian women from different backgrounds so bangladeshi pakistani punjabi and we wanted to make sure that we took their views into account and they played a pivotal role in saying, actually, you know what, that wouldn't work or we'd really love this. So um, even with the networking aspect and the mentoring aspect, we've made sure that we've taken their views into account, but also they've played a role in having a voice in what that looks like. Um, yeah. And yes. also as well, because we don't, want to waste anyone's time but we also want them to get something out of it yes. at the end of the day and if it's not bringing any value then yeah there's no point yeah and i guess putting you know giving young people an opportunity the opportunity to put their own stamp on what networking looks like what it should look like and i think that's the key you know aspect to ensuring accessibility you know letting people decide how it is they want to contact someone or who they might want to contact uh, and what it is that they want to get out of it um that's a really important part because you know the, the truth of the matter is yes it can be very uh bland sometimes networking when you're when you go in with this particular expectation but then you realize it's it's you know the discussions within that networking circle are you know are completely different to what you expected or what you wanted out of it so perhaps it's good to target um specific areas with networking because a lot of the time it is you know, we might not want to admit it, but it is just, you know, small talk, um, mm. talking about yourself a lot of the time, as opposed to, you know, looking at how you can give back to the community by using your network to help someone else. You know, I think a lot of people forget the aim of that, you know, it is, it is a two-way process you know, in the same way that, the, that um, mentoring is as well. And moving on to that, I guess, the, the third big uh, theme within our discussion today is representation. Um, 
you know, we've spoken about networking and with that, you know, we've got nepotism tied in as well. You know, it really isn't about what you know. A lot of the time it's about who you know and whether or not you have the right connections, whether from a family member or a friend or maybe someone, a colleague that you would have worked with in the past. And though things have changed in recent years, uh, growing up, you know, I still remember mainstream television uh, and certain professions like politicians, lawyers, teachers, doctors, they didn't always look like me. And, you know, the thing is when you're young and you're surrounded by people in high places doing great things and they don't look like you, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it creates, you know, it's very impressionable for a young child and it's hard to feel like you belong, let alone feel good enough to pursue a career in areas such as these. And as you've set out, um, just 36 of the 1,000 most powerful people in Britain are from ethnic minorities and just 0.7% of them are BAME women. This you know, lack of role models and exposure to successful women from various backgrounds and sectors can certainly have an impact on aspirations for younger generations. And I guess my question is, do you think schools and local council initiatives could be doing more to support South Asian women to develop their career paths through widening access to mentoring and networking programs, for example, uh, or through work experience or internship opportunities? And, you know, what are some um, some examples of feedback that you've received from participants in the Voices of Colour mentoring program regarding representation? Yeah. Yeah, representation um, is, is, is a huge, huge topic in a sense that, so with the program itself, we're looking, we're working with local councils mm. and are actually running our first set of sessions in schools next week. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so in terms of testing out the content, but we're working also with teachers mm. in particular in terms of navigating this space. Um, and so... Absolutely. So important. I think the most important, I would say, approach for us is to be collaborative, to mm. involve different organisations and not to work on our own or in silos. Um, specifically with the community aspect, it's involving everyone in understanding what already exists, what's, what's great that is out there that's not being promoted mm. or not being seen by many people. And we want to be able to give those organizations that platform as well through the program we have to um, expose um, students, the young people that we work with to those. Um, so I think that is definitely one, but what is important is understanding it in a much more deeper sense. So the framework in terms of how you work with schools and councils or however they work with might be very similar, but the approach is gonna be different in a sense that each borough each region is different yeah and you have to understand that before before creating a solution because they'll have their own issues they'll have their own challenges that they're facing and specifically that are impacting young people from different ethnic backgrounds within those areas so um, what i've realized is for example, you might have a school that's very diverse and the conversation might be more focused towards creating a safe space mm. where they feel accepted, but they also feel heard about right. how issues impact them both when they go home, but also within the school environment. Whereas a school that might not be that diverse, but have very small amount of students who are from an ethnic background, the conversation might be more towards, yes, safe space, but also raising awareness because mm. other students from those uh, different backgrounds might not be aware of those struggles and how that impacts them 
in a school environment yeah and their choices at the end of the day so i think i think that's really important for us is we really want to make sure that we understand the local areas that we work in well enough before yeah. you know before just running this program like that um and how each region functions is fascinating but it's also yeah I bet it is I'm sure they're very different in their own ways and you know the the fact is that with programs such as this where you're where you have to be very specific it is really about targeting specific areas and making sure that it's tailored to the particular needs uh, and expectations of a particular area and their capacity as well you know not forgetting that the practicalities of it you know whether something is actually feasible whether there's funding for it you know a lot of the practical you know although all the dull questions are still just as important to actually try and be realistic about whether something is actually possible and managing um, young people's expectations you know because the last thing you want to do is disappoint them so yeah I, I, there's clearly a big need to feel as though you know you're represented people who look like you people who come from the same place as you who sound like you uh, are represented in wider society and uh, it clearly you know it appears as though voices of colors mentoring program is ensuring that representation is something that's well considered when pairing people together and, and giving them the ability or empowering them with the tools they need to uh empower their communities and work uh, and and create and shape their own communities where they live yeah and i think with representation uh, it also comes to like different areas so mm. i a lot of the girls on our program um some have said they're really interested in getting into theater getting into the arts politics yeah but one they're not being many women who are actually from a south asian background um to go into theatre yeah <laughs> women in those sectors but also uh, at home it's not accepted mm, you have absolutely to, yeah you know, yeah if, if it's not a conventional career path then you know exactly. end of discussion isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly so a lot of them it, it is hard to see and listen to a lot of them have said we're no longer thinking of this and it there's only so much you can do um in a sense that you don't want it to impact um, the home life if you question it too much. So we're still trying to better understand how we balance that and help them. Yeah. But without, um, yeah, without making it a hard or difficult decision for them to take. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just an ongoing learning experience for us. Yeah, um, I bet it is. And I know it's in its early stages as well. So I'm sure there's going to be plenty uh, to learn and I'm sure that you know following on from this program the next year's program is going to be more refined um, and you know that's what feedback's all about I guess once you do a pilot you know what people expect what they want out of things and also most important of all you know what you're capable of doing um, in terms of making things work so yeah it sounds very very interesting um, and I can't wait to see the journey Voices of Colour takes leading on from that my next question is how important would you say youth programs are in shaping the next generation of, of change makers? Um, I think they're important. They're, they're really important, but I think youth programs should not be working in silos. They mm. definitely need to work with other organizations. Yes. Local businesses um, 
and build those partnerships to really achieve those aims. Mm. I mean, working in a team together is so much more stronger, but it has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. And it's important that when you're making decisions uh, for young people or trying to understand how can you support them, make sure that they're involved in that yeah. process. Yes, um, definitely. Don't make assumptions that, you know, this is what the best thing is for them because a lot of them come from different backgrounds, um, have different challenges and different experiences. And that needs to be respected and, and understood. And in a sense, they've got their own opinions that would be of so much value mm. to what that would look like at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And, and you made a very valid point about working in partnerships, you know, working in tandem with other local organizations, because this really is about, you know, from the ground up and working with communities. And if a local business can support, you know, young women um, in terms of you know giving them an internship or some work experience, you know, that enables not only the company itself to be recognized as, you know, a, a great and potential employer for the future and giving back to the community, but the, you know, the mentees or the young people who are interning there are going to be able to understand a bit more about you know their local area how they can give back to the community how they can contribute to a particular business's needs and that sort of thing you know really helps you know greater integration and development within communities as well so yeah i can certainly see how youth program engagement through cross-organizational partnerships can be really really effective this leads us to uh, final thoughts about uh, mentorships about networking representation and we've spoken about these roles you know through you know cross-organizational methods but also through um themselves in their own little entities so mentorship alone networking alone representation alone but also in combination and how they can sort of support and how they overlap each other a lot of the time in terms of amplifying the voices of south asian girls um is there anything else we can do or would you say we're doing enough um, you've already made the point of it being a learning process um, and we continue learning and, and evolving and adapting to it. But if you do have any other points in that regard, um, I'm sure the listeners would be delighted to to know a bit more about that. I think with help, I guess, giving them a platform to really speak about issues that are impacting them, mm. there's still a lot of work to be done in terms mm. of understanding how both their experiences are impacted both at home internally um so externally when they are go you able to give any examples uh, of situations yeah so with internally i think it's around i guess the cultural expectations that are placed mm. on young women as they grow up those expectations in terms of what subjects they should be studying or when they should be married by or <laughs> yeah and yeah when you know, when they should start thinking of having a family. Those assumptions, those, I guess, um, in a sense, expectations from them are set from such a young age. Mm. And in a sense, sometimes they're fighting them without even knowing them until they grow up and understand what they want. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, as a parent... uh, understand I guess reflect on um, how or what you could do to make sure that that space is created for them to Mm. be able to talk about what they're going through and that they don't feel pressurized to be 
that they're not or they feel like they have to fit a stereotype to make someone else happy for Mm. the sake of losing themselves and who they are yeah yeah definitely I mean I think if you're in you know especially with South Asian young girls, you know, you're a lot of the time we're indoctrinated from a very young age and told what, you know, what a def- what the definition of success looks like, what the definition of a failure looks like. And so when you're told or drilled these things in, in, into you from such a young age, it's very difficult to come out of it and look at the way things are from an objective or from an outsider's perspective when you're so deeply embedded within that thought process, you know, you sort of think, assume this is how life must be or this is how you must think so when the thinking is done for you already it can be difficult when you're older and you want to develop your own opinions about a certain topic or or about a certain career path to come out of that shell and you know mold yourself to your own preferences and your own desires and and your own definition of of what happiness is you know because you know success is one thing uh but happiness happiness i think can be different because you might be successful because you've continually pandered to society's expectations or your parents desires but then not necessarily be particularly happy if you have a different passion to what the career path was set out to you from a young age by your family uh, and other influential members in your life. Um, So yeah, I mean, you've made a very valid point there that, you know, are we really doing enough if we are continuing to tell young girls what they should be doing and what they can't be doing? Um, And ultimately perhaps it's, it's about letting people feel around for what it is that they want um you you know when you're young obviously we've talked about being impressionable but you know you can always steer someone in a particular direction but not be forceful uh, and not be insistent you know there's a difference between guiding someone which is where mentorship comes in where you give someone advice but not judge them not be judgmental towards them or tell them how they should be living their lives but give them a gentle steer if necessary if they're uncertain about something so they can you know it can help with their decision making and I think the nuance between those you know being able to guide someone uh, versus actually telling them what to do you know there's there's a clear line between those um and and those lines are often that line is often blurred with uh within south asian households which you've made uh, the point about um throughout this episode but it's been a very interesting discussion do you have any plans in terms of voices of color and and the next steps with the organization um so we actually finished and uh, we were on an incubator with with you here so we just finished that um and we're in the process of developing our digital platform for the community action element awesome yeah program so we um we're actually now part of a tech accelerator for a few months just to help us develop that digital element of our program and um hopefully we get also some some helpful advice and insights into how to best to do that Mm. um, in terms of designing it with um, those who will be using the platform Um, and yeah we've just got a few school sessions lined up and um, continuing to run our sessions with our first cohort online at the moment uh, with them so yeah just busy trying to get um, the first program um, 
finished but it's it's gone by so quickly mm, yeah so it's awesome that you know voices of color is able to adapt um to the current situation um and yeah case in point of cross-organizational work where you know you're clearly able to work with schools uh, and in partnership with schools and that's that's really awesome to see so yeah definitely mm-hmm. practicing what you preach i guess in that sense yeah yeah um, well uh indy it's been an absolute pleasure to have you um before we go it'd be interesting to hear about um, a, a book that you might have recently read uh, and, and explain to us how you relate to it and any feminist theme or anything you strongly relate to out of it. Yeah, so this is a hard choice. Um, <laughs> it is for a lot of people. <laughs> it was really difficult. I was just thinking for a long time, what is it? But I read, um, I recently read this book called The Good Immigrant. Oh, yes. Fantastic. And it, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. It had a lot of different stories um, and insights from different authors from different ethnic backgrounds. Mm. And it was just really eye-opening, but also relatable in terms of their experiences. And I do actually have a quote that literally stood out to me when I was reading it. Awesome. Um, so I'll read it out. Um, it's, if we share the gifts that people have carried across continents and acknowledge them as part of the fabric of our society. From the national curriculum to the mainstream media, we could be on the cusp or paradigm shift in our understanding of the world. Oh, wow. And it just, yeah, it really- That's beautiful, yeah. Really, really resonated with me. And this book was actually published in 2016. And that's only, what, four years exactly, actually. even though it's been four years, there's been, you know, individuals from different backgrounds, specifically South Asian backgrounds, migrating here and contributing to the society and playing a role in uh, contributing towards the local economy and starting their businesses and being part of um, the fabric of society, in a sense, in the UK specifically. Mm. And it's just sad to see that it's been published in 2016 still there's not really much exposure yeah not much has really changed in in material terms yeah within society and Mm. it's still embedded in the way of life in terms of it's not given much consideration yeah and immigration is still a dirty word so yeah it's it's pretty unfortunate I mean I don't want to leave the podcast on such a somber note but um Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's a fantastic book. I haven't yet read it, but I've heard some great things about it. Um, and I know that the author is now, Nikesh Shukla, is writing, I think, his second book, did he say, recently? Yeah, yeah he did, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to, to that coming out. I think I definitely need to read The Good Immigrant first, though. But um, yeah, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that um, that quote. It's, it's truly beautiful. Uh, and yeah, you've inspired me to, to buy the book as I am looking for some new <laughs> material to read. I've, re- I've read all my lockdown books. I bought, I think, a dozen books during lockdown. And I've, I think I've only got one more left now. So I need to start buying some more books, I think. So yeah, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been really, really lovely talking to you and, and finding out more about yourself and more about voices of colour. I hope you've enjoyed talking to, to, to me and um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the experience. Thank you for having me. And it's just been really nice to talk about the work that we're doing and 
also to be given the platform to speak about it in a bit more detail and just to be able to share what we've done. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this discussion or topic interesting and you want to share your views, we'd love to hear from you. I'm so grateful to those of you who have taken the time to leave me comments, reviews and messages about your thoughts on the podcast. It's really helped inform my direction for this season. Keep your comments coming. I really do love them. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook by searching for Brown Don't Frown Podcast and on Twitter at BDF Podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Please do join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Frown Podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd be super grateful if you could leave me a rating and review as this helps the podcast garner further traction. Please like, share and subscribe. Until next time, thank you.